and welcome to another episode of Freight to the Point, a podcast from Zencargo. I'm Helena Wood, and today we have invited Richard Vital back on again to talk about what's happening in the ocean market, how it's affecting rates, and some of his predictions for the coming months. It's always great to have Richard on the podcast because when he joins us once a month, we're able to get a real sort of expert view into what's actually going on in the market. So for anyone that doesn't know, Richard is one of our co-founders and as our chief commercial officer, works very closely with our procurement and pricing teams who are in touch with our carrier relationships all the time, understanding what's influencing the rates market and what's going to be coming up next. So Richard, it's always great having you here to, to share that expertise. Thank you so much for that. And uh, thank you very much for having me on the show today. For anyone who's listening to the audio transcript rather than watching the video, you might see that Richard's blushing, but it's undeserved. He should be feeling very um, rightly smug about his, his knowledge here. So Richard, let's kick off or get freight to the point, as it were. Tell me what's been going on in the last month? What's affecting the market? So the last month has been characterized by continued reductions in the ocean freight uh, container prices. And you'll probably remember last time you had me on, we were discussing uh, the time of year and that we were, you know, really entering what was typically peak season and that we had uh, yet to really see increases in peak demand because of the broad uh, scale destocking trend that we'd seen, particularly from consumer oriented businesses in Europe and the US. And one of the things I pointed to last time was Golden Week, you know, in October, and how that normally is a bit of a turning point in the market where um, you can have pent up demand as the factories are closed uh, during Golden Week, and it can be a bit of a fillip to the market. What we've seen is, uh, you know, very little in the way of uptick in demand in this period, and, and really a, a peak season, you know, without the peak. And so whilst I would say the rate of decline of ocean freight rates has slowed. Um, that's more mathematical and mechanical than anything else. You know, they they, they started off very high at nine and ten thousand dollars on Asia Europe. You know, six or seven on the U.S. trades. The rate of decline has definitely started to reduce, um, but yet we do see you know broad-based declines in rates across the board, mainly because that demand has not picked up going into the end of the year. And so um, for the moment, whilst there have been capacity reductions in the market, which obviously have service ramifications and mean that, uh, you know, as a shipper, you can have disturbances to, to the lead times that you're able to achieve uh, moving on the Asia, Europe and Trans-Pacific lanes, uh, they have not been enough to stem the decline in ocean freight rates. So most notably coming out of Golden Week, we saw anywhere between a 26 and 31% capacity reduction on the Trans-Pacific trade. It looked like 19 to 27%, you know, between weeks 41 and 43. Um, this reduction in capacity has not stemmed the decline uh, in rates. And that's really because that uh, available capacity, uh, in spite of the capacity reductions by taking out particular sailings, there's that available capacity in the market, and carriers are, you know, operating at utilization rates that are in the 70s and 80 percent, and uh, you know, it, it means that those carriers are actually looking to fill the space on the ship and have reduced reduced rates commensurately. The other thing to note is that because a lot of uh, shippers have now come off of annual contracts because of the move in the market, that creates more competitive tension in the market and more competitive tension and demand in the spot market, um, which then um, means that the 
the market becomes more volatile as a result of, let's say, more customers being actively engaged in price negotiation. And is that a sensible decision? So I, I can understand, you know, as the market has fallen, many people on long-term contracts must have suddenly thought, actually, we must move to the spot market. We're not getting good value for money. But long-term contract engagements come with much more than rates. There's the commitments around capacity. There's commitments around fees. There's commitments around service levels. So for shippers who maybe have moved or are thinking about moving, it's interesting that you talk about the fact that that in turn creates further volatility in the spot market. But how would you recommend someone approaches that they're contracting at the moment? What's the best thing to do? So I think one of the things that I've said a number of times before is that when when looking at what's effectively risk slash cost benefit analysis on your supply chain going into 2023 or going into any like budget setting period, you know, you have to understand what the risks and the the opportunities are for your own business. And it's really important not to be short-sighted or to forget the recent the recent history and the learnings from recent history. And, you know, the reality is that, you know, many of the same factors that underpin the disturbances of the last couple of years are to some extent still around. So, you know, you do still have a zero COVID policy in China. Um, you have a um, shortage of effective capacity in ports in Europe and in the United States. Uh, you have very active unions in both Euro- Europe and the United States in reaction to the cost of living crisis that is being experienced there. Um, all of these things mean that unknowns can creep uh, you know, out of the woodwork and uh, you can turn a corner and suddenly you know, the market isn't exactly uh, as you anticipated. And so I think that's something that shippers have to be very aware of, uh, the potential and the real likelihood of continued volatility in the market. That said, uh, you know, the the current supply-demand imbalance is very much uh, a reflection of the reality of economic slowdown in Europe and uh, upcoming uh, economic slowdown in the United States. And uh, with fresh capacity, ocean capacity coming to the market, the supply-demand picture for ocean freight is different to you know, how it's looked over the last 12 months. So I would say that I would, as a shipper, I would certainly be thinking about how I can capitalize on the fact that the uh, rate environment and uh, the negotiating environment is a little bit easier than it's been before. But at the same time, um, use this as an opportunity to develop and strengthen relationships that will see you with your freight partner and uh, ultimately with the carrier, um, see you through uh, you know, what, what could potentially be continued volatile times ahead. And so I would kind of look beyond um, necessarily the next few months and think about the long-term relationships that you're setting up with your partners. And, and that's really interesting, Richard, because obviously you're talking about some of the different drivers of, of market volatility and market change. So the macro trend, which has been the kind of elephant, well, it's not really an elephant in the room because we're all talking about it, but it's, it's the global economic climate, which we're feeling very acutely in the UK at the, mar- at the moment. You were hinting that you know the US is due to feel more discomfort from that in the coming months. And then you were also talking about some more localised and specific risks that could drive volatility. You spoke about COVID, you spoke about the shortage of capacity in ports, particularly in Europe. And then you, you've spoken about the power of the unions. I mean, we've already seen a number of strikes or near strikes that have had an impact on, on the whole network. Given where we're at now in terms of the, the kind of market and the rates sort of environment, particularly with those micro impacts, do you think they're likely to to cause significant pain? Or actually, should we all be really looking at the the global economic situation? 
you know, what, what should shippers be more nervous about? Or is it just about thinking about everything holistically? So I would say both. I would say the macro economy really drives the rate movements. So, you know, you have to think about Asia Europe, for example, as an 11 million TEU trade. And so, you know, any one country or any one port, you know, where a strike might be going on is not going to be a huge driver of their overall market, although it can create disturbances for the uh, shipping line that's managing that trade. But if you are a shipper going into a particular port and it's faced by a strike, that's really going to have an impact on your supply chain. So I would say that from a rate perspective, like what is going to drive uh, up or down the price of Asia Europe or the Trans-Pacific. It's really uh, global supply-demand imbalances, and it's really going to be driven by the extent to which we turn the corner on the recession in Europe and the extent to which the U.S. goes into a significant recession over the coming months. What we do know is that you know destocking in global supply chain has already started and has been running for some months, and it's our belief that uh, you know, we should turn the corner in terms of a restocking trend as early as, you know, the end of the second quarter of next year. Uh, you know, we've looked at previous recessions and we've run the numbers and these destocking trends never really last more than four quarters. But I would say the micro is important as it relates to your supply chain. So if you are a shipper going into uh, Liverpool and Liverpool port, you know, is frequently going on strike and you think that that's going to continue until there's a broader based reconciliation between the unions and the port authorities there, then, you know, that's something to be aware of and to need to look for mitigations for and to work, uh, you know, with your supply chain partner to make sure you're well set up to be able to mitigate and that you have the right visibility to look around the corner. So um, whilst the macro will drive the rate dynamics overall, uh, the micro can very much drive the service levels that you are able to achieve. And it can be a driver of the need to have greater flexibility or agility in the supply chain. I think that unless there is a dramatic uh, impact from COVID or another, let's say, significant event, I don't necessarily see, uh, you know, us going back to the kind of rate environment that we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, but at the same time, certainly from a service level uh, perspective, and also in the context of a renewed um, ability and capability of uh, the carriers to manage their capacity thoughtfully, and to reduce the number of sailings uh, when appropriate, um, it's very important to understand the dynamics, basically, at a micro level in order to understand the, the service risks you have in your business. That's really helpful. Thank you. And and you spoke a bit about, as you reflect on the macro, the continued destocking trend. You don't think restocking is going to come until, you know, certainly into next year, probably later in Q2. If we were to think, you know, a, a little bit shorter term, let's think, you know, the next month, maybe December. So between now and the end of this calendar year, what do you think is going to is going to happen to the rates market? So my view on markets in general is that they always overshoot in one direction or the other. Uh, you know, my, uh, my my background is I used to be in financial markets and trade uh, bonds and. You know, you would see, you look at any graph, you know, it always goes up a little bit more than it should, and then it rebalances. It normally happens that people get a little bit exuberant, things get a little bit over the top. Right now, there are carriers that look at the capacity and they will, you know, want to fill the ships. And at a certain point, they'll realize that there's an excess demand. At that point, uh, you know, the rates can go back up. 
Um, also, it takes a little bit of time for some of the actions to play through into the market. So if you take a service offline or um, you change the amount of capacity in the market, that takes some time to feed through. And it's not a immediate or real-time market in, in that sense. You know, there are certain time lags uh, in terms of the transmission mechanism uh, through to pricing. And so I would, I would expect that um, prices likely overshoot, let's say, the normalized levels that they will get to and then come back up. Uh, and that would be my you know, immediate prediction um, between now and the end of the year. And then I would say it really depends on how supply chains act going into Chinese New Year and the extent to which they're working through their stocks and how Christmas goes. If Christmas is strong, then to all intents and purposes, you know, start to sell, uh, sell through stock uh, during November, then the, the rush on goods for to get ready as quickly as possible before Chinese New Year, which is happening uh, in, in late Jan, uh, you know, will be uh, stronger than maybe is expected right now. Um, if Christmas is a little bit weaker, uh, you know, then uh, a lot of buyers will wait until after Chinese New Year to replenish stocks, and they'll, you know, really think about bringing in new ranges in the in the spring and, uh, you know, into the summer. So it's going to be a, a bit of a function of what Christmas looks like. Um, but I would say in the short term, before that, uh, I would anticipate rates slightly overshooting on the downside, and then and then coming back. Uh, they always tend to do that, and when you when you kind of put the brakes on. Uh, you know, it takes a little while before the market adjusts. And and what do you think that means that that shippers should be thinking? You know, as they think of the next couple of months and they approach how they approach their contracting and how they approach negotiating their rates, what should they be focused on? Well, I I think freight rates have come down a long way, and uh, you know, I do think that getting the right service level agreements in place for next year is very important. Uh, you know, in a market that again will continue to face uncertainty. And therefore, you know, I think it's likely actually that there can be a good time for contracting before the end of this year. Uh, and I would say a lot of the larger shippers are coming to market now to start to negotiate their deals for next year. And once uh, the market has found some stability and uh, the right level, I think there will be a, you know, a real opportunity to come to a, a fair agreement uh, on your on your ocean freight, you know, for 2023, and to uh, you know enter into agreements that offer some stability and also a, a much better cost profile for shippers than they've experienced over the last two years. And would you still advocate for thinking about that sort of diversified rate strategy that we've been speaking about over the last few months? Look, I think it depends on the shipper. I would say because whereas uh, during you know 2021, 2022. Uh, I would say rates were very, very elevated. And so the risk-reward ratio was more skewed to the upside from having less of your volume necessarily locked in if you were contracting at the peak. I think now with, you know, with rates falling, I would say if you have a very steady profile of business, it probably makes sense to contract more of the volume than maybe has historically been the case you know, over the last few months. That said, uh, you know, if you do have peaks and troughs in your volume, then, you know, having a, a kind of a mixed approach uh, can be more interesting. And the other thing I would say is it really also depends on depends on your risk profile and your, you, you know, the, the type of goods that you're moving. Whilst rates have come down considerably, if your uh, sales are very much dependent on the price of freight, then having some exposure to the spot market on a percentage of your business, you know, might also very much make sense. So it very much depends on the profile of your business. But I would say that the levels that businesses will be contracting at this year are very much more favorable than they've been over the last couple of years. 
which which is obviously good news for shippers. And and is there anything else that that shippers should be thinking about as they head into the next few months? Is the worst over? Look, I hope so. I mean, COVID nineteen was a you know particularly difficult and challenging environment, um, not only from a public health perspective, but also from an economic perspective. And whilst uh, there were certainly you know winners from COVID nineteen, there were also losers. And I do hope that you know we move into a more normalised environment. But that said, I, I think if it's taught us anything, it's taught us to be vigilant and and to look for agility as much as possible in the supply chain. So what I would uh, recommend is very much having um, open and detailed conversations with your uh, with your own teams, uh, with your management, but also with your supply chain partners to really understand what the right solutions are for you for next year. So, uh, you know, Helen, you called it kind of a diversified rates space strategy. I think it's, it's really about just finding the broader supply chain strategy uh, that makes sense for your business, and I think that just has to be has to be the number one focus going into the end of the year to understand what the profile of next year looks like. Because it might look very different for a lot of businesses to 2022, right? There might be you might be in the middle of a destocking period, but you might know that the back end of 2023 is going to be busier. Again, it, your seasonality pattern might look very different in 2023 to you know what it's looked like in the last couple of years, and so. Um, making an informed decision based on what the business looks like it's going to reflect in 2023 is the important next step for businesses now. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. It's always so useful to get your insight to what's coming up in the market and how our shippers should be preparing and thinking about that. Before we wrap up, Richard, the in summary section of this podcast is always a good chance for you to tell us what's coming up, what we should watch out for, what's going to be in the news. Do you have any final stories that we should be thinking about over the next couple of weeks? So I think the big watch out for next year is really on the shipping line reaction to the new cost environment that they're going to be operating in. And so I think one of the things to watch out for in the news is any stories or announcement that relate to both the IMO, um, but also uh, the fuel strategies of the carriers. You know, one of the things that you might have heard me talk about before is that the cost base for the carriers in 2023 is very different to the cost base of the carriers in 2019. Not only is fuel much more expensive, but particularly the low sulfur fuel that the carriers are now utilizing as a result of the environmental regulations has started to trade at a very significant premium to fuel oil, to the you know, the uh, much cruder alternative oils that uh, you know used to be more commonplace on the ship. And so uh, this this means uh, you know cost push inflation is really really a challenge for the carriers. At the same time, the new regulations for next year uh, mean that they're going to need to make some changes. And uh, there's a few things that you can weigh, right? Like one variable is like how compliant are the different shipping lines going to be? The penalty mechanisms are you know not uh, so strongly enforced. Different carriers might have different attitudes towards when they want to be compliant by and how compliant they want to be. Um, but also basically meeting the regulations is a trade-off between cost and also service because uh, they have to slow down in some cases or pull ships uh, out of service in order to meet those regulations. So actually that's that, that, that's something that's going to be very interesting next year, which is understanding um, what uh, levers the carriers use to manage profitability, 
um, but also meet the obligations uh, under the environmental regulations that are coming in. And I would definitely say that, you know, you should watch out for announcements from the carriers on services, on ways of operating, and also on longer term investments. Like there are some key decisions that are being made now around what types of fuel and technologies um, carriers are going to back from the perspective of reorientating their fleet to a low carbon economy. Super interesting. And with the new regulations in the new year, it'll be interesting to see what comes. I suppose also that the watch out for us is any continued, you've hinted at the power of the unions, any continued industrial action we should all keep an eye on. Obviously, Liverpool is continuing to strike. The US West Coast ports are, you know, continuing their heated negotiations, which have gone up and down over the last few weeks and months, actually. So so there is obviously space there for, for more disruption. So I would encourage our listeners to keep an eye on that. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining this week and for sharing so much insight. I know the market is volatile, but it's certainly reassuring to know that we can have some guidance and insight from you in terms of how to approach the the coming months. Thank you again also to our listeners for tuning into today's episode of Freight to the Point. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show. And if you have any feedback on our episode or would like to get in touch with Richard or myself, please don't hesitate to do so on LinkedIn. But until our next episode, goodbye. Goodbye.